All right, so we are starting a series on Wednesdays, and that series is called This Is Us, and if I'm honest, I've watched like three episodes of the show This Is Us, and I just cried too much that I, I just stopped watching it, because why would I do that to myself? Um, but this series is called This Is Us, here, get this, get this, listen to this. It's called This Is Us, and really what this series is about, it's about how we can have healthy, strong, good relationships, friendships, and community as we go into the year. Uh, and so tonight we're talking about friendship. And what I've noticed with a lot of the friends that I have in my life is I didn't pick them. They just kind of like fell into my life. Like it was because like my like family was friends with like their friend's family and like then we just ended up having playdates together and now boom like Adam and I are still friends, right? Or maybe you like played a sport with them and you became friends and like you just happened to start to start talking and you just a lot of our relationships, it's not because we sought out amazing people. We just had people kind of fall into our lap and we just kind of have relationships. But here's the thing. This is the big idea. So if you drift and you miss out, don't miss this one thing tonight. This is your big idea. I didn't even have you fill it in. It's just written there. It's this. Let's say it together. Great friendships don't just happen. They are intentionally built. Great friendships don't just happen. They are intentionally built. Okay, so if you have a relationship, I see this all the time, you have friendships and maybe like you're like, we were such good friends last year and now I don't know what happened and everything exploded and now there's tons of drama and all this like stuff happens. That's because you weren't being intentional and you weren't pouring into your relationships. We learned this when we did the relationship series. Relationships tend to deflate over time. So you could be good friends with someone now, but if you stop pouring into it, if you stop putting energy into it, if you're not intentional with it, it's going gonna, it's gonna to deflate and it's going to explode, uh, and that's dangerous. So tonight we're talking about friendships. Um, we're going to be looking at the book of Proverbs, which is like, if God had a Twitter, <clears throat> that's Proverbs. I hated Proverbs because um, there's like no characters and there's no story. You know, it's like watching like an indie film and you're like, oh, it's not like it. Um, and Proverbs, though, it is, it's not... It's, it's not a story. It's not a narrative. Instead, some scholars think that, that Proverbs is actually written by this really wise guy named Solomon. Some of you guys were studying Ecclesiastes, and you know, you know who Solomon is. Solomon, probably the wisest, wisest guy, one of the wisest people who, who have ever lived. And people think that this is Solomon writing to his son, basically departing and trying to unload and download all the wisdom that Solomon has learned into his son. And so um, you can think of it like that. You can think of it like dad talking to son or like if God had a Twitter, things he would post daily. So today we have, we have that, God's tips, advice for your friendships. But here's the deal. You have two choices this year. With every interaction, everything that happens to you, you have two choices. Someone comments on your Instagram something, you're, you come home and your parents are frustrated with you, you go to school and your teacher like, gives you like, like a C on this, every, anything that happens this year. You have two options. You have two paths. You have this path where you can ask, how do I want to handle this? How do I feel? What do I think is right? What would make me feel great? You have this path. Or you have the, what does God want me to do? What does real wisdom look like? What does it look like to follow Jesus here? In Proverbs, it talks about how this is the way of the fool, and this is the way of the wise, righteous person. You have these two paths. What, is, what does Jesus want me to do? What does that look like? Or what do I just want to do? Because sometimes those things are different, if you didn't know. Um, <laughs> so if you have time this week, there's a memory verse right there at the very bottom. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. This means that 
you and yourself, it's not like you can close your eyes and you know all the answers. We have to seek out God's wisdom. And so we seek that out in scripture. So I'm serious. This week, if you have time, memorize this, memorize this little verse. Um, for the Lord gives wisdom from his, um, from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. All right, cool. So we're going to jump into it. What does Proverbs say about friendships? Um, why are we doing this? Because I see in the fall, this is when there's the most drama when it comes to your guys' relationships. And some of you are like, yeah, sorry, you haven't, Joel, it's too late. Um, um, and, and, and so we just want to hit some of this stuff. So you're like, wow, Joel has nine points. Why didn't he have ten? I didn't want to give you like a fluffy point that didn't really matter, so it's nine. Um, so I give you nine points tonight, and some of this you're like, I don't even know if I need that. You need to store it up, and some of you are going to look back on this podcast, and you can listen to it later, or you're going to keep your notes, and you're going to come back to it, because you might not need it now, but you're going to need it, or someone's going to need it later. Cool. Tracking? We good? All right. So first, quality um, of a good friend out of nine. Great friends are committed. Proverbs 18.24 says this, one who has reliable friends comes Unreliable friends comes to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. One who has unreliable friends comes to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Great friends aren't going anywhere. Great friends aren't going anywhere. It's kind of like a cactus. Um, some of you need to be cactuses for each other. Cacti? Who knows? Um, actually, does someone know? Is it cacti? Cool. Some of you need to be cacti for each other. Um, think about a cactus if you look at it. Um, there are some plants, like you look at like wildflowers. Or, I, I have these plants in my yard right now where like the person we bought the house from, they watered them a lot. And I thought they just kind of did that on their own. But then I just didn't water them. And now they died um, after like a week. And I was like, come on, plants, wimps. Um, <laughs> you guys can do it. Anyways, it, there's, also, um, like, there's also a cactus in my backyard. And that one, you didn't need to water. It's looking fine. I did water it yesterday for the first time if you're worried about my cactus. Um, but here's the thing. A cactus, it doesn't matter. You might have crazy droughts. The weather might be really bad, but it's still going to be there. You need to have friends in your life where on your worst day and when you're awkward and when you make a mistake and you're a jerk, they're not just going to leave you. All the time I see relationships like this in high school where they were such good friends. Wow, and they always hung out together and they were friends since junior high. And, and then just one thing happened. And now they sit on the opposite sides of the wall room to each other. And they ignore each other's existence. You know, and you know these people, or you are these people. Also, by the way, during this sermon, this is not a we look across the room and figure out who we're talking about here. Um, we need to receive this ourselves. This is about us. So I know this sermon can easily become like, who's the bad friend in the room? Um, so we need to be people who, have, who are committed, um, who, who are not going anywhere. And I want us to think about this, too, in terms of our small groups. We're going to be going back into small groups tonight. And what would that mean if we were just a small group where we, we know we are committed and we meet weekly? We know we have sports and we have other stuff that goes on, and that's, that's okay. But if we have the energy uh, and if we, if we are able to, we are going to be there. We're not just going to give up because we want to watch Netflix on our couches, right? We're committed even when we don't feel it. Um, so that, that, that's the first thing, commitment. Number two, great friends are trustworthy. Everyone say Trustworthy. Proverbs 11:13 A gossip betrays a confidence, but a trustworthy person keeps a secret. I feel like one of the devil's favorite poisons is gossip. Like I don't know if you guys get this. A lot of you guys don't hang out together at school. A lot of you guys don't go to the same school. Like the fact that there's people in this room who are different classes, who are on different sports teams, who go to different schools, 
who don't necessarily hang out together or who don't necessarily have natural affinity for, towards each other. The fact that you're all in the same room together, the devil hates this. He hates this type of unity. He hates that there's diversity here. He would rather we just hung out with people who looked like us and liked like us and liked us. That's it. So he wants to destroy this. And one of the ways he does that is through gossip. And gossip is so crazy because gossip takes what someone said in secret and puts it out there for the world. And here's the thing about gossip. Like if I was sitting here talking to Charlie and Charlie started filling the tea, as they say. <laughs> Nick doesn't like I said that. Is that a bad thing to say? Yes. Perfect. All right. Adam, edit that from the podcast. Um, so if Charlie was telling me about everything that's going on with his life, um, sorry, not his life, because that wouldn't be gossip, but if Charlie's telling me about what's, what's going on in Sawyer's life and Charlie's gossiping about Sawyer, how dare you? She's over there and just so helpless. Um, here's the thing. Um, in that moment, I feel awesome because I, I, I feel like, wow, Charlie, wow, this is cool. We're talking about somebody else. And when, when you gossip with someone, you, you, you feel like you, you're really close with them. Gossip builds a superficial relationship very quickly. When you gossip with somebody, you feel great and you feel like you're close. But that relationship that's built will always crumble. Being trustworthy builds a relationship over time and it's going to last and it's going to sustain. Um, and so if, if you're not a part of the, the solution or the problem, then you're not going to, let's just not talk about that person. Let's not talk about that thing. Again, if you're not a part of the solution, if you're not a part of making it right, and if you're not the reason why this happened, don't talk to somebody about it. Don't just talk to them because you want, um, yeah, you, you want to spill the tea. All right, <clears throat> cool. Number three, great friends share a common vision slash values. Um, this means, like, if you guys, if you know that, okay, church, I need to be here. This community, this life here, this is the only place where I'm able to be real about who I am and what I'm about, and people call me towards the things of Jesus. You know you want to be about that. If, you, if, if that's one of the things you value, you cannot be best friends with a bunch of people who think that the church is dumb, okay? Because you might think that you're really strong you're, and you're orbiting around this value of going to church, but really the reality is if you're best friends with people who believe totally differently than you, if you're best friends, then you don't really pull them into your orbit. They jettison you from yours. All right, so what I'm saying is if you're a Christian, your very best friends, sorry, if you're a follower of Jesus, because there's a difference between being a Christian and being a follower of Jesus. Because you might say you're a Christian and go to church, um, but that's just a religious label. Like, if you have a relationship with Jesus, your best friends need to be people who have a relationship with Jesus. That's not saying that you don't have friends that are non-Christians. You should. Have you, like, Jesus got so in trouble for hanging out with all these people who weren't Christians. You should hang out with non-Christians. They should be great friends. But your very best friends in your life, the ones who are pouring into you, the ones who are calling you out, you need to have some Christians there. The, the reality is what they say is that we tend to be the average of our five friends. So if you have one friend over here, and that friend's like IB, AP, all the time, school, over here, and you have this person over here who's like Cheetos on the lap, Netflix couch time, right? If that's your best friend, you're going to be in the middle. So if you are the best Christian among your friends... Like, they're going to bring you down. Like, you need to hang around with people who love Jesus and are passionate even more, even people that you would look up to. Because it's just natural. The science says you're going to end up in the middle of it. Um, so we need to hang out with people who, who share common vision and values. Cool. We got that? We tracking? Cool. Right? If you value your family, you can't hang out with a ton of people who hate families because then they're going to pull you out from your family. All right. Number four, great friendships address conflict, not avoid it. Proverbs 27, 6. Wounds from a friend can be trusted. Mm. But... Uh, but an enemy multiplies kisses. Um, 
an enemy multiplies kisses. An enemy might say to you, Joel, you're an amazing singer. Wow, great job. That was really good. And then behind your back they say, Joel thinks he's great. But his voice is so nasally, right? So you have an enemy that might, to your face, might say things, but then behind your back. Um, We need to have friends who are able to, they don't just want to make us feel better. They just want to butter us up. But they're willing to say, hey, that really hurt when you said this to me. They're willing to take you aside and say, hey, Joel, the way that you were treating those people last night, that's not what you're about. And I know that that's not what you said you wanted to be about. And I just wanted to call you out on that. Like, we need to have friends who are honest with those things. Um, And we also need to be able to receive that criticism, too. Um, So we need to have friends who are able to go towards conflict, because you have two options. You can avoid conflict, and you can avoid that conflict for the next four years. Or you can address it and go towards it. All right. Cool. You guys are doing great. Number five, great friends make each other better. As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. Question, do you raise or lower the value of the friendships you are in? Do you raise or lower the value of the friendships you are in? Are the friendships you are in, are those friends better because you are in them? Are they better because you are in them? Um, So uh, if you look at, um, (laughs) never mind, I'm not going to share that. (laughs) Sorry, I have like all these stories of friendships, and I'm like, "Mm, we're not going to do that. Um, We we need to have people that that sharpen us, that make us better, that encourage encourage us. People who like, uh, on a Friday night, if if they know that your temptation is to go out and party, they're they're people that are are ready to text you and say, hey, uh, do you want to go to my house tonight? Do you want to hang out with me? Like, like, there are people who, like, who, who know that you're going through a tough thing with your family, and they're going to text you and say, hey, can I just come over and sit with you? I just, I just want to just hang out. Like, we need to have people who, who sharpen us, who make us better. Are the friends that we have better because we're there? Um, next one, great friends use their words wisely. Proverbs 12, 18. The words of the reckless pierce like swords, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Words are really powerful. Your words have power to just destroy somebody. I've told the story of how I remember when I was in third grade and people called me out for having chicken legs. I've told that story so many times. Because there's a wound. Yeah, I played basketball and I was wearing shorts and they made fun of how like skinny my ankles were. You know what happened from then on? I wore pants all the time. Also, I feel weird about playing guitar and shorts. Um, but words can hurt. You can all right now, you can all think about a time. You can all think about a time in your mind when when you can, you can think back to a time when someone used their words to hurt you. You can all think about it. And for some of us, we have to unpack that in therapy and counseling. Honestly, because it's wounded us so much. Um, and so for some of us, um, we just need to watch our words. Um, Vicky and I talk about this a lot. Um, I, I'm, I'm a pretty good arguer. Um, I'm pretty good with, like, not necessarily, like, winning an argument, but I know how to win it. Okay, like... Like, here's the thing. Like, I would do this a lot. I would say, Vicky, you always do this. Or you never do this. And we learned this early. Okay? And I would sound like I was winning the argument when really I was just, like, pulling in ridiculous things. Like, never say never and always. Like, you always do this, Adam. You're always do. That's not the reality. It's probably sometimes or maybe one time that I really remember that hurt me. Never say never. You never do this. You're never there. That's not true. Because when we say never and always, we're trying to close, and close down a relationship. Um, and so we need to not do that. So some of us need to stop using our words to destroy. Some of us, we need to use our words to build up. 
Your parents wiped your butt for a long time. Have you said thank you to them recently? Thank you, Jesus. You have, you have leaders. You have your counselors here. Your counselors, would they could be at home watching Netflix, hanging out with their spouses, slash girlfriends. Here's the deal. Have you said thank you? Have you recognized the sacrifice that they're making? Have you used your words to encourage and build other people up and say thank you? If you look at the stats, the word that teenagers, one of the words that teenagers say the least is thank you. The other one is please. If you said thank you to those people, man, that would, that would make their day because um, they love you. All right, cool. So let's use our words um, wisely. Number seven, great friends forgive and rebuild. Um, I remember one night I was in this big fight with Vicky, and you guys are doing really great, by the way. We got three more. It's kind of like a, um, this might be a lot. And again, you might need to go back and unpack it later. But um, I was in a fight with Vicky, and it was one of those things where we were like both brushing our teeth, and like I remember like kind of pushed her or whatever, and like she was pushing me, and we're like trying to get to the sink. And then we, then we go into bed, and she, like I roll to my side, and I steal her pillow. Um, this is what you do. Um, and I remember I, was, I prayed to God, and I prayed, God, I pray that Vicky would, God, I pray that you would convict Vicky of her sin. <laughs> like, God, tell, tell Vicky she's wrong. God, just pray that she would know what she's done. And do you know what happened? You know what happened? You know what happened? God said to me this. God said, I, I heard, I mean, I just like felt like God said this. He said, tell her you love her. I was like, God, convict her. <laughs> convict her of the evil that she has done and would she rue the day that she has trespassed me. And, and God said, tell her you love her. And then I turned and I said, Vicki, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I've blown it. Would you forgive me? And it was in that moment that our relationship was able to start being rebuilt. Here's the thing. You can't demand that someone accepts your apology. You can't make someone say they're sorry. But you can be the first to say, I'm sorry. Right? You cannot demand someone to forgive you. You cannot demand someone to accept your apology. But you can be the first someone to say, I have blown it. It was funny, after that, God was like, yeah, it was all you, really, Joel. You're the problem. It's like, yeah. And um, so for some of you tonight, like, you have a relationship that's broken, and you need to be the first person to walk across the room and say, hey, I'm sorry. Not expecting them to say, oh, yeah, it's totally fine. Not expecting them to say, yeah, I was also the person who did something dumb. Not expecting that. But just being the first person to make that move. Um, so we want to um, be great friends who forgive and rebuild. Cool. Eight, great friends help us know ourselves better. Proverbs 25, the purposes of a person's heart are deep waters. It's very romantic. Um, but one who has insight draws them out. You, your heart, it's deep waters. It's deep. But your friends help you see what's underneath. They help you see what's really going on. This is why when you guys go to small groups in a second, we need to have small groups. Because we have blind spots, we have things that we don't see in our own life, and they help us see it. They help us stir up the waters and see what's really going on. And you also have friends in your small group. Okay, you have people in your small group. 
who you might not even think you're friends right now. That's the amazing thing. In this room right now, there's probably one person who's going to be one of your best friends, and they're not right now, which is crazy. Um, but you, you have people who can help stir up the waters, and some of them are actually going to show you good things. And they're going to say things like, Maya, did you, did you know that you are bold and you're a fierce leader? And you might be like, no, I didn't know, which, by the way, she is. And, and you might not have known that, or you might not be feeling that, but then in your small group, you have people who are declaring those truths over you. You have friends, your friends, not just are going to say bad things, but they're going to build you up and tell you who you are in Christ, that you're beautiful, that you're loved, that you're empowered, that you're equipped, that you're his. Um, cool. Last thing, great friends make new friends. Great friends make new friends. This is why if you ever see high school leaders, our staff, we have all talked about how we don't want to be people who just who ever create circles like this. We will create horseshoes, maybe stars, no. Um, <laughs> that would be cool. A circle says it's closed off and nobody else is welcome here. A horseshoe says anybody can come up and talk to us. Anyone can, anyone can enter in on this conversation. Sometimes we, we feel like, I have such good friends. I'm set. I don't need to invite anybody else in on this. But a necessity of a great friend is that you are open to inviting other people into those friendships, that you're ready to, you're ready to welcome others. Next week, we're talking all about community, so we're going to go into that. Um, cool. Again, it all starts with you. It can easily be at the end of this that you're like, well, they don't appreciate me. They're not trustworthy. They don't love me doing that. Joel, why don't you go talk to them? It starts with us, everybody. We say this all the time, but you need to be the thermostat, not the thermometer. You set the temperature of what relationships and friendship and community look like. You don't just reflect what it is, because your small group, you might feel like it's here. I don't care. I don't start there. Start here with vulnerability, with commitment, with love, with forgiveness. You set the temperature. You be the thermostat, not the thermometer. Um, hey, and as we close out, you might feel like you don't have a friend tonight, which Nathan will be your friend. I'll be your friend. Um, but also... Let me just close with this. Um, throughout scripture, it says that Jesus is your friend. That Jesus is your friend. And as these guys come up and as we go into worship, um, we worship. Really what that is, it's, it's God saying, at any point, you have access to me. You don't need to earn my love and affection, but you have a friend in Jesus. And that friend he was on the cross, and he could have left when you were awkward. And he could have run away when things got weird. And he could have said, I don't forgive you. He could have done all of those things. He could have called angels down to rescue him. But when Jesus could have left, he stayed, and he committed. He's trustworthy. He's here. Scripture says, greater love hath no one than this, that he laid down his life for his friends. You have a friend in Jesus. Because Jesus is your friend, because he has given his life for you, you can give your life for others. Amen? Amen. Amen.